this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Jay, every time I say that intro, I try to emphasize a different word to just kind of make it different. So it doesn't feel like I'm just repeating myself every time. Beating people over the head with it. Right. I, I just I look and I go, which word should I emphasize this time? <laughs> Jay, we're back again with another episode. Hey, it's better than a uh, mattress commercial, right? <laughs> or maybe not. Let us know. If you'd rather us just run mattress commercials, we could go ahead and do that and stop with the... Jay, let me tell you about my mattress because I love <laughs> oh, the, the one I got one out is, of the dumpster. Uh, oh, the new one is all of the... Uh, um, men's the health ed stuff because all that apparently is like you can buy over the counter so every podcast i listen to now is doing some kind of erectile dysfunction gum or pill or something and it's super awkward because they have the hosts have to do the reads those in subscription boxes right but could you imagine like us in the middle of the episode having to make a transition to talking about like erectile dysfunction Jay, let's talk about what didn't work for us on this episode. On this, and also what's not working for us right now. Our dicks. Exactly. Luckily, there's a solution. I am so sorry for anyone who listens to this with their children. However, uh, we will be talking about a band that smokes a ton of weed. Yeah, probably not... Uh kid-friendly episode so this is not a kid-friendly episode we already we're just we're gonna here's what happened folks we had our november poll on patreon the folks voted it was kind of a it was a run not a runaway but it was a yeah this is fairly decisive it was a decisive one there were two runaways yeah. and this one was the winner um sleeps album holy mountain it was suggested by colt i don't know if that's colt mccoy or <laughs> um i'm just gonna pretend it's a it mystery is. i mean it's he's, sit, no, he's sitting no on the bench view. he's got nothing to do he's got you know he's got time to listen to holy mountain dope and dope smoker and <laughs> but yeah we had a great diverse uh collection of albums they um, yes. all got votes. Shotgun Messiahs. I know you were rooting for that. Rooting for that one, Jay. That came in last. <laughs> Violent New Breed uh, with two votes, and then uh, Kaneki. I don't know if that's how you say it. I thought it was Kanichi. Kanichi. I don't know. I'm, I'm well, guessing, but uh, that and Trans Am Future World uh, was at the club. Kanichi. Uh, they tied with three. Uh, lot at five. Uh, Les Claypool and the Holy Mackerel. Highball with the Devil. Rails, Bad Hair, Life, and the Sisters of Mercy vision thing. And then in second place, Weens the Mollusk, Lost to Sleep's 
Holy Mountain. Holy Mountain, Jay, have you heard this record before and are you familiar with Sleep? I am familiar with Sleep. I had, this is a band that gets, well, you'll get into the history, which is a little unusual, but uh, mm-hmm. when they reemerged a year or two ago, yeah, um, there was a lot of press about that record called The Sciences, and yeah. um, I'm generally a fan of this genre. Yeah. Um, so I, get, I gave that record a listen at the time. I think I may have gone back and sampled a little bit of Dope Smoker, but I don't remember ever listening to Holy Mountain until now. Yeah, I had not listened to it. I was familiar with the band name. I had never checked them out. This was my first exposure to them. Not unlike some other people. Um, I, their band, I was told you should check them out. And I was like, yeah, I'll get to it. I'm busy. And... Uh, here I am checking them out. We got some comments. Uh, a lot of people, not a lot of people. Some people had the same sentiment. Steve Musinski said, "Sleep is a band that I'm largely familiar with, yet I have very spent very little time on my own with, like a friend of a friend that you know only in group settings. They're highly acclaimed in their specific subgenre of stoner rock, which I think is like doom stoner." Yep. And I love a slew of bands that are directly influenced by sleep, so I figured it's high time, we joke, to dig into the dig into an album. Yeah, I did that. Fun fact, <laughs> my favorite restaurant here in San Diego, Bar Kindred, plays Sleep's Dope Smoker, which is an hour long on a loop in their restrooms. And when he says an hour long, it's one song that's one an song. hour long. We're going to get into that a little bit in the history, just so you know. Right. Um, Eric Peterson, I feel like Sisters of Mercy don't get enough attention. They deserve outside of the goth circles and deserve to get covered. I agree. They could also be an 80s episode next year, Eric. Just saying. Oh. Loophole. Yeah. Um, Azo Loco said, voted for Les Claypool. Charming album. Okay. Charlie Z said, Kenichi all the way. See also Biz and Catatonia. Some other bands, I guess, similar in style. Scott Witt said, had to go with sleep in honor of Matt Pike. I'm typing this with my shirt off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he says that Shotgun Messiah album was quite the shock coming from the previous one. I don't know what he means exactly there, but I guess we'll have to get into some Shotgun Messiah in the future. Um, Whitney Buehler, there's a bunch of these albums that I never heard, so I checked them out. You want a shock to the system? Listen to Sleep's Holy Mountain and then follow it up with Ween's the Mollusk. This is the kind of variety or perhaps psychosis I've come to expect from Dig Me Out. By the way, my vote is for Ween. And then Ian Wobble says, The Mollusk is Ween's most coherent album and a great one for the discussion. A lot going on here. Very happy to see this nominated an album. I've always enjoyed and spent way too long on the shelf. It was hard decision between this and the sister uh, rock monster vision thing, as I'm interested to hear your opinion on that as well. Well, maybe we'll get to it in the future. So I mentioned, and you did as well, this is a band has an interesting backstory. They started in the early 90s as a band called Asbestos Death, which is a great band name. <laughs> and uh, there were some lineup changes. It basically got down to... Um, Matt Pike on guitar, Al 
Scissornos, Scissornos, I don't know how to say it. Scissornos. That's perfect. I'm sure that's exactly what it is. And Chris Haikus. Haikus? Um, it's definitely Haikus. Haikus. Um, so they, they put out a, their debut album in 1991 that was called Volume 1. And then uh, an EP followed in 1992. Um, well, Justin Marler was the original drummer, but he left after the first album to become a monk. That's not a joke. He became a monk. Um, so they released their debut album on Earache. Or not their debut. Their, um, their second album on Earache. Uh, this is where Holy Mountain comes in. 1992. It's uh, They got a, a, an offer from London Records. Just a big deal in the, in the 90s. To release their next record. And they're like, cool, yeah. So they began work on Dope Smoker, the follow-up, in 1995. Um, it took them years because it's one song, 60 minutes. London Records was like, this is unmarketable and refused to release it. They gave it to Dave Sardi of Bark Market, who was then a big-time producer. And he, they said, please chop this up into songs. And he did, and the band was like, nope. So it just sat there. They released um, an official bootleg called Jerusalem in 1998. And then it was re- legitimately released um, by uh, the music cartel in the U.S. and Rise Above Records in Europe. And then in 2003, finally, TP Records released Dope Smoker in its full version. How do you listen to that on vinyl? Can you? Well, what do you mean? Because it's an hour? Yeah. What did they just say? This song is now over? Or this, 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 <laughs> please flip this over? Like, how do you? Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously in Jerusalem is edited into six tracks. So there was, there's versions where it's been edited, obviously. Okay. Somehow. Um, so as you mentioned, they, they, you know, broke up. Uh, Matt Pike went on to form High on Fire. That's the most famous band to come out of all that. And then they reformed in 2009 to play All Tomorrow's Parties. And they kept playing off and on over the years. Released a single in 2014. And then out of nowhere in 2018, the day before Record Store Day, uh, April of 18, they announced the sciences and it came out the next day. I remember there was quite like the confusion because people were like, well, are you guys going to have it at the record store? And... People who are at record stores were like, I guess we're getting this. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, since then, they've released one additional single. But then just in this past November, they announced they were on hiatus, which makes sense. The guys have other bands. So who knows what they're going to, you know, deal with. So anyway, just to <laughs> trivia on Dope Smoker, it took them four years to write the one song. That, that makes up Dope Smoker. They said, um, we smoked $75,000... No, 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 I'm sorry. Of their advance, $75,000 were spent on custom amplifiers. And they smoked a lot of weed for those four years. Basically, that was the whole point of the <laughs> process. 
to spend. Yep, just really maximize that advance. Now, and keep in mind, this is a band that has a love of both Black Sabbath and Weed to the point where, like, there's a song called Marijuana Steam, which is mm. like a play on uh, Supernaut, Marijuana. And um, there's uh, also have a love of sci-fi because there are references to Doom in the song Giza Butler, which is a combination of um, Geezer Butler and Giza, the city. Uh, that in 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 the novel Dune, um, that's referenced in Giza Butler, there's um, Gom Jabbar, which from Dune is uh, just a, a term, and they call it Bong Jabbar, and then there's this there's a term of there's a there's a fictional species of like mouse called Muad'Dib, and they call him Muad'Dub. Of course. This is like the most high school version of them. <laughs> like, just like burnt out high school kids coming up yeah. with bad puns on weed. Uh, but that's great because uh, we get this band and this record doing these crazy things. So, let's talk about this record, Jay. Tell me one thing. Wait a minute. I almost forgot. Yeah, we have a new patron. Oh, over yes, we do. joining us before we get into the record. Welcome, Mick, at the two dollar level. Welcome, Mick. Hope you're you're going to be voting in our polls that are coming up and commenting and all that kind of stuff. Welcome to the community. That said, let's get into the record. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about Holy Mountain by Sleep. I like when, obviously, I like when bands kind of explore and push the boundaries uh, wide, like going to different genres and bringing different styles. I also like goes deep. Like we are a genre band. We are a doomstoner metal band. And we love Black Sabbath. And we're going to go as deep as we possibly can (laughs) down that path to see where it heads. And I think this is... Largely what that band, what this band's about, uh, at least for my ears. Um, so I, I, re- I appreciate that. Uh, and within that, I think you get uh, what I like most about this genre is it just is a very, this is, there's no faking it with this music. Um, this is, you know, a group of people in a room working this stuff out. There's nothing bro tools about it. There's no fixing. There's no synthesizers. There's no, you, when you're listening to it, you're just no wondering like, um, even is this an overdub? Because it's all very real. Like even timing wise, you, you can hear, doesn't sound like they're using a click. Like, so they're just playing with the tempo and the rhythms constantly and things are pushing and pulling and sometimes in a progressive way with major tempo shifts um to like these sludgy super slow pieces and then they flip up and you know pick up speed to things that are just subtle like dynamic fills and um sections that slow down and obviously would come out of a you know a click track and not be exactly right but they feel right and they're all locked up so 
I think that's the part that pulls me through the record the most. It's just listen to these guys play together. You know, the, the bass, um, and guitars are, um, interesting in that sometimes you can't tell which is which <laughs> mm-hmm. either from tone. Um, and sometimes from, you know, they'll go to solo sections and, <clears throat> which is maybe a little bit unusual for, for a band like this where it'll get a little bit experimental. I think this is where they push the genre a little bit. And, uh, it uh, sounds like two guitars are kind of sometimes playing together and sometimes not. And then the bass will be doing like its own solo kind of thing, which is, you know, a little different. You go from these super droney, very locked in sections to, um, I think a lot of the record tends to have these bridges that open up and either get quieter and or turn into these crazy jam sessions. Drum wise, you know, I think what's what's really interesting is there's a lot of subtlety in the drumming that you don't always hear in heavy music, um, just because it gets lost in the guitars. So drummers tend to in this genre, you know, really just play straightforward and 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 just loud. And there's actually a lot of like ghost snare going on and just really intricate patterns and playing with tempo and feel and um so there's a lot there to pull you in uh, musically um and then i guess the last thing uh it's kind of a production nerd note but on apple music this has been re-released in a full dynamic range edition yeah um which i would love i wish more bands would do this and if you've got a you know a pair of um open back headphones maybe a headphone amp and you listen to that version uh, is so much better. It really has more depth to it, and you can you really feel like you're in the room with the band. Um, in contrast, I listen to the record also with just earbuds, and it does not sound nearly as good. Um, it's very the vocals are way too upfront, the cymbals are way too upfront. You kind of really need those large speakers or amplifier to kind of like even it out. Um, so just sonically from a production standpoint, like that's the way that this record should be released. Um, you know, capturing that live rehearsal space kind of sound, um, and then trying to bring that as much as you can with all the, the full range, you know, the full bass range and the full low, cause you kind of need that with fuzzy guitars. You know, if you, mm-hmm. if you add compression on top of an, um, a guitar that has fuzz, I mean, fuzz is a compressor already, so you just lose um, 
and you end up with this muddy middle. And to get back to the drums, you know, they do a good job with not only mixing it, but just the drum sounds and the performance to be able to give you enough, you know, weight to where they don't sound tinny, but also, um, you know, there's, there's subtlety in there. They can cut through those wall guitars and bass, uh, pretty well. So, you know, for me, it's, it's a performance and just sonic experience, uh, more than anything. Before I tell you what I like, I want to share that I was playing this record in the shared like office craft room area that we have in our house, and Katie. <laughs> okay. Interesting choice. And and well, I was working at my computer and I had this playing. And I was doing some crafting. Uh, yeah, I was doing some crafting, um, googly eyes and and stuff like that. And Katie came in. She went to sew at her desk, and she's like, "Oh, what's this?" Because she's listened to like Queens of the Stone Age and stuff. She knows she's heard like fuzzy, you know, yeah. stoner guitar stuff. I was like, "This is sleep. This is for our next review." So we listened to the record, and she's like, "This is kind of cool." And I said, "Yeah." They also have an album called Dope Smoker. It's one song and it's sixty <laughs> minutes. And she like looked at me. She's like, "What?" And I put it on, <laughs> and she goes, "This is scaring me. I'm leaving." <laughs> yeah, that record is a little it's a yeah it's a little more intense way, yeah and it's way more droney yeah but really really that's what i'm saying this band goes deep like that record goes to a whole other level of pushing the idea um of doom i think we're at the 20 minute point and i was like this is the heaviest music i have ever heard <laughs> <laughs> i actually was uh i had it on recently you know pretty loud in my headphones and i got dizzy at one point <laughs> like I was working as it was on and I was like, all of a sudden the room started spinning. I was like, I, I got to take a break. <laughs> like this is, this is crazy. Somewhere Matt Pike is like mission accomplished. <laughs> the weed actually, actually seeped through the music and into your brain. It might have. I was woozy. So the, I like a lot uh, about this record. You mentioned about the production and how, it's really interesting that you can hear everything yet. It's so thick and there's so much going on with just three, you know, members and it's right in my wheelhouse. I, you know, like this shot. I've never explored sort of the doom end of stoner or desert rock, whatever you want to, I know we, we, we cover desert rock in a, in a specific episode um there's a caius and and i'm also a huge fan of fu manchu um they're obviously much more up tempo um yeah. more of a skater band than this is much more of i i think it leans more towards some of the jammier stuff with the caius records yeah. um much more of contemporaries of that band and some of those other lesser known bands from that um from that era, uh, you know, obviously remind me of Brant Bjork. His his stuff is much more stripped down, uh, but he, he has some longer, like you know, jammier songs where it doesn't get quite. I think because they're I, they're obviously tuning down a lot. I mean, those bass strings have to be droopy, based on yeah. how much they're tuning down. It's got to be like C minimum to get that heavy and dark of a tone. Uh, I just. 
I just enjoyed listening to this over and over again. It just it's a great. There are a few songs where they they get more up tempo and it throws throws me off a little bit, but yep. for the most part, they can you know just jam and they do a good job, which is what I think the Melvins do really well too. Is you'll get a very slow sludgy song, but the but the rhythm section and specifically the drummer Dale Crover in that case, they still find a way to keep the momentum going. And it, it's still it's still dynamic, right? Yes, like it's slow, but it's still you're still pulled in by. Even though it's slow, there's details then that start to emerge that that keep you in, engaged. Yeah, you know, it's it's not say. busy drumming, but it's percussive yeah. enough so that when they're just like jun 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 jun, you know, you're just getting that like dr- like you said droning. The drums will still they might lock in for a moment, but then they'll. St- make a change and you'll get like a bit more movement from them and it shifts you into a new part. And I just really enjoyed just putting it on, letting it go over and over again. Uh, like I said, this is it's hitting my wheelhouse. So I was really shocked with the first time I put it on. I was like, how have I not heard this before? I should yeah. have heard this. Yeah, I mean they're on the darker side. Like I think they're coming from more of the um there you know, there was a doom movement in the eighties that was super obscure, like Trouble and the Obsessed and Saint Vitus and bands like that. I think right. they're coming from that kind of school, which just naturally kept them lower on the radar. Um than even some of the I think the desert rock stuff is is almost like a another generation like an evolution of what this band's even doing. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Caius wasn't, you know, listening to them at the time as, as peers and yeah, taking it up another level in terms of energy and and melody that these guys aren't really concerning themselves with. And yeah, that's a good point because they are definitely contemporaries and they're from San Jose, which I don't know geographically how far away that is, but I don't think, I mean, it's not San Francisco in terms of distance. Um, I think what I was expecting and maybe what kept me away from the band is I there there is some like screamy kind of vocals, but I was thinking that because they were doom, it was going to be like cookie monster, like, you know, like that kind of yeah, like yeah. that kind of vocal. And that's not what he's doing yeah. on this. So it, it made it a lot more pleasant because I don't like that style of vocal. Uh, yeah, I don't either. And so when I heard this, I was like, oh, okay. Now, yeah. 
where have you been all my life? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> Hello there, dope smoker. <laughs> let's uh, let's get to know each other. Uh, what didn't work for you on this record? Well, the the vocals, I think, um, when they're, I think this falls in the camp for me sometimes of being unnecessary. Like I, there's sections of vocals where I'm like, I, I'm not sure I need vocals here. When they do work, I feel like he's kind of doing an Ozzy impression, like mm-hmm. uh, you know, Sabbath era Ozzy kind of take, which is fine. Um, that's when it gets a little bit more melodic. He's not. He does like um, I think Dragon Knot and Druid, like the first couple of tracks. He's more in a shouting kind of tone, um, mm-hmm. and then he settles into more of kind of that smoother more simple melodic approach that Ozzy is known for. Um, and that works better. They're never great. There's also, they're also heavily affected. Like, I don't know if there's a double on his voice or something. Um, also just a general, like I said, when I'm using my, my good like headphone setup, the sound mixed correctly. When I listened to my earbuds, they were way too loud for this band. I was like, I I do not need these vocals this loud. Um, so I think it's, uh, depending on what you're listening to, you know, kind of, uh, could, could be more, uh, better or worse, um, vocally. So not, not a huge fan of the vocals. Um, I think if this band were a little bit more melodic and, you know, they're slightly more polished, uh, I think I would be super, super into them. Um, but that's kind of the missing element for me. How about you? I agree with you. Like there's parts, I'll, I'll give example inside the sun. There are some vocals where he's just sh- like shouting and it's yeah. not pleasant. Yeah. That one, I, he almost sound, I kept thinking of Guar, like, like, okay, we just crossed the line into now this is, cause it also has a kind of a punk beat that song does. Mm-hmm. Like it's up tempo and it doesn't fit the rest of the record. And then yeah, vocally it's like, he sounds like he's the guy from Guar or something. Like this isn't this yeah. crossed the line now to being like from like doomy and mysterious to goofy. they're at their best like the opener dragon knot when it's got that like it's got movement and it's got this like swagger to it that reminds me of classic sabbath or uh, even like there's like elements of like deep purple here and there that i hear that are just in the just in the terms of the the rhythm and the swagger of yep. the of the band, I don't mind when they get like real slow and droney. That's that's fine, but I do I really like it with like Dragonaut when it's like when you're getting this like swing almost. Yeah, I was just gonna say that that's the thing that they're doing that, um, yeah, when you 
dive into it, you're like, there's a swing to this stuff. And that, that's what, that's what Sabbath did. That's the part that like most bands who try to do Sabbath don't get. Um, they don't get the, the heavy blues influence and they don't get like that swing feel, um, that, that they had. Um, and this band gets it like they're able to pull that off really well. Well, it's like the difference between like Roth era Van Halen and Hagar era, like Roth era has a swing coming out of the seventies and you know, for whatever reason that did not continue in the Hagar era. It got, it, it literally turned like robotic. They started using digital drums and like Alex played like super robotic and they totally lost that, that feel. Right. So, and I just, it's such a pleasure to hear that in a band like this, which is obviously, you know, 15 years after Sabbath's, I mean, even more than 15 years, like, you know, 17 years after whatever Sabbath's debut, um, to hear them incorporate those concepts of, of what they were doing rhythmically, but then also really like you said, like taking this idea of a genre and just mining it for every nook and cranny. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of glad that they don't put out a record every year because having only, what is it like four records over 20 years, 30, mm-hmm. 30 years, whatever it is, it makes it a little more special. Cause then you don't have to like hear them go through the bad, <laughs> the bad right. Sabbath years. Right, right, right. So, um, but on a on a broader scale, uh, you know, we talk about uh, why this uh, maybe didn't break through in radio or or popular. Why this isn't popular? Because sleep to me is like such a such a, a genre niche band. Like even people who know Queens of the Stone Age as a popular band have probably have no idea who Sleep are. Like right. it's it's the people who are like really into music who are going to know this. And I I don't remember any, anybody talking about Sleep like at the college radio station. Like even at that level. Like this is just to me like you know, dudes who hang out in a parking lot and want to smoke a lot of pot and <laughs> drive Camaros. Yeah. Like I'm sorry if that's stereotypical, but like that's yeah. my. It's not people listening to to uh, college radio, you know, listening to REM and the Pixies. Yeah. Like it's just a di- whole different audience just, that that subsists on itself. Like you know, High on Fire and and Mastodon broke through somewhat. Sort of the the new. I don't know what you would call. What's the what's the term for like mastodon in the 2000s it's not new metal but it's like what alternative metal like them and baroness and uh yeah i guess so that's a good question i don't i listen to all those bands i haven't thought of like what what the genre i haven't heard like a very definitive genre um other than just metal i would say maybe alternative metal is probably the best description i feel like when pitchfork started covering those bands like something different was happening like when pitchfork started covering yeah. Baroness and High and Fire and and Mastodon and stuff like that. You were like, "This is the uber indie tastemaker," but they're covering, yeah, metal. Yeah. It seemed like in the two thousands, it those bands like they would be at festivals where there would be like the Vampire Weekend, 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. it didn't matter anymore. Whereas as opposed to in the nineties, you're like Ozfest. Like if Mastodon existed in the nineties, it would have been on Ozfest, not at Lollapalooza or whatever. Yeah. yeah and I, I think sleep. Well, I, I, I just listen to dope smoker. I hear, a, I hear a good, uh, amount of influence on Baroness there. Like, Vocally, it's it's better. It's closer to what Baroness kind of does vocally, and yeah. just sonically, I could hear very much their first record being, you know, somewhat influenced by. So, were the album better EP decent single? What do you think? I'm gonna wear the album. Um, there's a couple of tunes on here I, I uh, don't love. Evil Gypsy, no, I'm just something's weird about the mix of that. The guitar tone's different; just doesn't quite come together for me. Yeah. Uh, Inside the Sun, it's probably the weakest song on the record. Uh, Aquarian, okay, um, but everything else, you know, I'm on board with. Like you, this is a record too where um, you can listen to it actively and get a lot out of it. You can also just kind of have it on in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, I found myself working to it a lot and you just, it almost becomes ambient, um, outside of some of the vocal stuff. Uh, so it can work, uh, depending on like what you're looking for at the time. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's worthy album. It's obviously, you know, pretty influential. Yeah. I agree with you. Worthy record. I dropped like two songs. I agree with you. Uh, Inside the Sun and the Evil Gypsy Solomon's theme, I'd probably drop that, and yeah. it'd still be a long record. <laughs> it's okay, uh, and I, I you know it'd be funny I, if we did Dope Smoker. Um, it's only one song, so it'd be hard to rate that. <laughs> I guess we'd have to rate it by the minute. Do, do you like the ten minute mark, the twenty minute mark, the thirty minute mark, the forty minute mark? Well, the Jerusalem version's on uh, Apple Music, and it's broken into six songs. They're all called Jerusalem. <laughs> but, I mean, I think it's it's edited some... I mean, I haven't gone through and compared them side by side, but apparently it's the same song, just somehow edited into six pieces. Um, so, so we could say, like, hey, I like Jerusalem 3 better than Jerusalem 4. <laughs> the other thing that's weird is... So when it was released as Dope Smoker at least the version on Apple Music in 2003, maybe this is the 2002, 12 Southern Lord version, but there, uh, the, there is a second track now. It's oh. a live version of Holy Mountain. And it's a terrible recording. I have no idea why they decided, it makes no sense why that was included. Because when I queued it up, I was like, oh, cool, I can hear this band live. And it started playing. I was like, oh my God, this sounds like a, really terrible like cassette recording yeah you know what when i um we have a we have a uh i don't want to say the name it's the it's the amazon you know yeah thing and when i asked it to play holy mountain Uh uh-huh it played that track rather than playing and i was like what's going on yeah yeah not sure why that choice was made to put to release that well to put a second song on a on a album that's famous for being one song that's an odd choice like why screw it up like that's the whole point of the album and then two why did this world need that version that live version of that song recorded that poorly (laughs) i 
I don't know. Odd. And one of one of the many things that's odd about this band. Just so you know, this album is Holy Mountain. It also goes by Sleeps Holy Mountain. Right, right. I've noticed that. Yep. So I guess I'll have to figure out what I'm going to do for the uh, post over at uh, digmeoutpodcast.com if I want to uh, be literal or not. With the, uh, and the, well, I mean, to go into the full dynamic range edition, you know, that's unusual. Bands don't typically do that, even though I wish they did, would. Um, it's like, where, when and how did that come out? And then the, even the album art looks different. Like I'm looking at them side by side and the, 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 full dynamic version is like much clearer and sharper and the other version is kind of blurry and murky even though it's the same art like it's clearly better quality they just had a different jpeg (laughs) i guess but it's just like it's just a weird band like all these unusual like odd choices Mm -hmm. some are great and some are like what i'm gonna guess some of the decisions were made while they were high (laughs) And we bring it back. There we go. We need to thank our Patreon community for both suggesting and voting. And also, you don't have to be a member of our Patreon community. If you want to suggest, you can just go to digmeoutpodcast.com, suggest an album, go to that link, put your album in there and your reason why you want to suggest it. And we'll throw it into a future poll. That poll will be uh, for 2020, Jay. It's already time to start thinking about 2020. Year flew by. And of course, you can just join us at Patreon to vote in these for as little as two bucks a month. You get the polls. You get the community. You get the stickers. You join us at the higher levels. There's t-shirts. There's album reviews. All sorts of fun stuff. Bonus content like our 80s albums, which will be coming up another one to end this year very soon. Do we have uh, some candidates here? We have a winner, Jay. Oh, I see that. Looking at it now. Mm-hmm. Faith No More. Yes. Interesting. Faith No More, Jane's Addiction, Nothing Shocking. Oh, Faith No More, Introduce Yourself. Jane's Addiction, nothing shocking. Lou Graham, Ready or Not. I would have loved to come back and listen to that. Uh, Radio Birdman, Living Eyes. That's a band that I've always heard about that I don't know that I've spent much time listening to. That's an interesting collection, Faith No More 1. So that's what we're going to be checking out. That's going to be our last 80s episode. We did five this year. Number six is coming up. All you have to do is be a patron, and you get to hear those episodes. And we'll be kicking off a whole new round of uh, 80s episodes start next year. DMOUnion.com, digmeoutunion.com. That's where you go. And, of course, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash digmeout and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com. Yeah.